at work, I'm moving departments. And so in the final email where the boss was like, okay, you can add these two people to the mailing list and then remove Sam from the mailing list. Like, I I kind of sent a screen grab from the uh, Wildest Dreams music video of Taylor Swift, like, say you'll remember me standing in a nice dress. And it was very obvious that I was the only Taylor Swift fan in that email chain. Hmm. I got some very confused responses from that. <laughs> Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I would like to apologize to other podcasters for creating unrealistic expectations for fill- for fulfilling user requests. Because, uh, we again, someone on Twitter made a request of us to do a segment on the show. And we're going to do it this episode, like the very next one. Yay! Because, yeah, you know, we... Mm-hmm. We may have like twelve listeners, but we're gonna we're gonna pander the fuck towards them. Those twelve listeners are ours, Harry, and we're gonna treat them right. Yeah, we'll do pretty much anything except for that one person who said they want us to cover the rest of Ultraman Nexus. We're not doing that. <laughs> oh God, was that a real request? Let's move on. I, oh, I did pass it on for a reason. <laughs> well, that, that was the, that was during the period of uh, I think that was during the period of me not realizing I was getting messages on Twitter for like months. Uh, and by, by the time it'd been received, the that, that ship had sailed. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but no, we're covering shows we like. At least show, covering shows that I like, and Sam, I think, likes one of them, and I'm not sure about the other, but we'll get there. Well, I mean, we're kind of... Okay, so we're covering... We're covering uh, Kamen Rider Zero One and Kamen Rider Gaim uh, at the moment, and then we're doing some like random offshoots. Like, the random offshoots, who, who the fuck knows? I don't know, and I've just watched some Zubat. I don't know how I feel about Zubat, but we'll get to that, because let's go into Zero One. Kamen Rider Zero One, Episode 18, These Are the Flowers I Choose. As we begin the episode, uh, they are restoring the florist bot uh, from the previous episode. Uh, Apparently, like, uh, Izu, she says that the florist can be restored because she wasn't hacked by Metsubo Jinrai. Which, yeah, that has some interesting implications. So apparently, like, if a bot is just destroyed, they can more or less be uh, recreated and their memory uploaded up to kind of, it seemed like the point of death. Or or at least very, very close to the point of death. Like, she definitely remembered the contest. I'm not sure if she remembered going berserk and attacking, uh, but she definitely re- remembered the details of the floral competition. At most, she lost a few minutes of memory. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty hardcore. And uh, as Iso goes off to check the other human gears that got converted, Aruto goes over to the florist and says, you know, not, not meanly or anything. Hey, I, I guess we lost. Uh, but then she says that she didn't lose. She was deceived. And, um, um... The whole the guy cheated thing, it's complicated in this episode, weirdest ways. I do want to point out, uh, before we go to title, Izu points out that she was attacked by Metsubo Jinrai and therefore could be able to be restored. Uh, Aruto, he he makes the, the logical leap that, you know, her emotions caused her to go berserk 
And since the satellite is connected to all the human gears, he does ask the satellite to start scanning for similar human gears in this situation. Great, great, being proactive, main character. I love it. And trying to stay ahead of the evil curve. Good good job, Aruto. Uh, so, yes, let's jump back to the contest. It turns out, and and the florist, she has she has the receipts. She has video of what happened. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they take video footage all the time because they're robots, so... <laughs> like they probably delete it after a day or so, but like a Russian dash cam. But yeah, well, I mean, yeah. well, they probably say they do, but that's just backed up to a server copy. Like, uh, like you know how the TSA totally doesn't know how all our dicks look, and then when push comes to shove, the TSA absolutely knows how everyone's dick looks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the way this dick looks is that the the dick in question, the guy from the Tachibana school. Gave some advice to the florist team of gear while they were constructing their flowers. Because I guess they were doing it in the same room as each other. Which, again, seems like I don't think that's how you should do this contest if they're competing. It's really got to be blind. Like, if this has, if this contest has got to be anything, it's got to be a double blind on the part of the judges, on the part of the contestants. The guy went over to her and said, hey, I think your, your arrangement, it's very nice. But if you add this one flower in this one spot, it would be great. And the Humagare looked at it and said, "Oh, uh, I mean, you're the expert here. Yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do it." Well, no, she didn't do it. He did it. He touched her display, Harry. That is such a fucking foul move. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because it's in a very specific place of technically he just gave bad advice. Like I think you could argue that he really didn't cheat. He he touched her display, Harry. Yeah, but, like, while she was watching and, like, showing her a thing, and, like, I think the argument was that, like, you know, he didn't really, it was nothing that could be undone and what whatever. Harry, like, I, I play a lot of, like, you know, miniatures tournaments. If you touch your opponent's figs, except in, like, extremely specific circumstances, that's a loss. It could be argued, and that's what the guy is doing, saying, like, hey, it, it doesn't even matter, it's just a competition between a hum- human and a robot, it's just for show. And then Guy rounds the corner and says, no, yeah, you have ruined the image of Zyaspec with your actions. Uh, we are going to sue you into oblivion and you're never going to work again unless you do exactly what I say, you jackass. Like, this was a nothing competition that was rigged in our favor. We could have won it easily, but now we're the bad guys. I know, like it's, they did the bad, or he did the bad guy thing of he took a win and he corrupted it. Like, he turned a win into a loss. We are going to do a rematch. And he has a, some more tea with Aruto at the coffee shop. Like, I like how, because they're not trying to kill each other, they're just fighting, and occasionally and occasionally they will beat each other up. But they can still just hang around and chat over some drinks. I, I like when you can do that in a show. And they talk about Guy and the Grandpa. Aruto, he's confused why Guy wants to destroy Hyden Intelligence when he apparently idolized his grandfather. And Guy says that uh, the grandfather wanted AI to evolve humanity. Or, Guy wants AI to evolve humanity, whereas Gramps, he wanted to kind of start uh, evolution from scratch. So it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. Neither is, neither's wrong. It's just a completely, both are defensible. I think it's more of a transhumanist thing, where Guy wants to, like, advance humans' development through augmentations like the Guy spec, whereas he didn't want it to create a new life form. And it's something that they discussed a long time ago, and Aruto looks at him and says, wait, this was like 12 years ago, how old are you? 
Mm-hmm. And he just says, oh, I'm eternally 24. Don't, that, don't look any further. Yeah, Harry, remember that bet we had where we were wondering if Guy was a human gear? Well, we... The, actually, we both thought he was a human gear. It's just we were arguing over whether or not he knew he was. Like, we, I think we both lost. Did I say that he knew he was a human gear? I can check the tapes, because we this is recorded. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you are the one who thought that he did know he was a human gear. I love the joke, like, I'm eternally 24 years old. Are you an idol? Yeah. And then Izu leads in and says, hey, he's 45. <laughs> Guy gets a super sour look on his face. He says, Ugh, there's nothing more wicked than youth. Your shallow wisdom posturing with zero dignity, supple skin. I find it all quite irritating. He storms off. Oh, human physiology. Like, I I want no part of that. Because I'm a robot. There's a brief scene of the florist guy who's doing some practicing. and But he's starting to kind of break down because he's getting furious, you know. He really has to win this. Yeah, like, he he cheated. Like, we kind of brushed over this. The reason he cheated was he looked at the human gear's floral arrangement, and he thought he was going to lose. He thought he was going to straight up lose. Like, his confidence was shot looking at the results of the human gear's creation. Yeah, he, he was the he was the, the chess guy showing up to fight the computer, not thinking that the computer might win. And he freaked out. Uh, so now we jump to a scene with Fua and Yua, and they're in uh, the Zaya garage, and they fight! Yeah, Fua goes up to Yua and says, hey, Hirobi's back online, there's only so many people who could have repaired him, uh, so I, did you do it? I might need to arrest you. Yua says, why, why do you suspect me? And Fua says, because you told me you were going to betray me someday, <laughs> like I'm not an idiot, and I, I can, one plus one equals... You're working for the evil guy. And so they they throw down. Their their transformation bolts clash in the air before they fight. It's a fairly even match, but uh, Fua is willing to, you know, suffer some damage to get into a winning position. And yeah, so he exactly. does. It's very characterful because for the first part of the fight, uh, Yua is winning handily. Like, she's very agile. She's kind of dodging behind pillars. Fua, like, she's basically circle strafing Fua and shooting him in the back. So he has to tank a bunch of shots, and when she goes in for the kill, kind of jump up and hit her. Like, it's a suicidal move to deal with her competence and agility. It, it's very characterful. And it's it's very quick, but I loved it. And, yeah, after that, Guy interrupts things. Like, a car shows up, and... And says, like, what are you doing to my precious employee? And Fua says, hey, she she's probably violated, violated the AI code. Guy says, hey, do I recommend you avoid libel. I don't want you to... You, sh- you won't blemish Zaya's public image. I'm going to fight you, cop. <laughs> so they fight. Guy, his thousand jacker is punching bullets from the air. He takes Fua down, like, real hard. But Fua's Fua, so he gets back up again and transfers into the heightened form that kills him. Which does do better. Like, he's holding his own for a couple seconds, but then you realize that all the attacks that he's landing on the thousand jacker are just, are just being no-sold. Yeah, I mean, he's at least pushing him back. Aruto wasn't able to do that with the uh, Shining Hopper. Uh, but the guy does get up, and it's not doing any real damage. He again charges his Jack Crystal, lands in a a uh, thousand break, presented by Zaya. And uh, yeah, Fua is shagged. He is on the ground, like just kind of bleeding from the various body parts that Fua always bleeds from. Yua goes with Guy, but she looks very torn about it. Like, she's glancing back at Fua in his defeated state. Like, 
Uh, she's she's walking that edge. Do we still think she's gonna die? I don't know. I like they might be doing a redemption equals death. Like I don't know. I don't know. Like I mean, we'll get to it later. But I actually, have some suspicions about things that are happening. So back at the Heen Intelligence, hey, uh, the 3D printer thing—they just printed a copy of the assault grip because Fuwa took it back. But now they have two. Great. Isu says, "Yeah, the the satellite can replicate anything it sees." But the florist pipes up, pipes up. Yeah, but replication isn't everything. Uh, I've learned over the course of two days that the whole point of flower arranging is fluidity. The arrangement of the master, it was really beautiful. I th- I thought he was going to win. It's just that when I realized it had been tricked, it seemed hideous to me. So it really is the reflection of the human heart. She's dropping some truth bombs. Aruto asks where she learned all this, and she said, oh, from the Tachibana school. They're, they're one of the people I researched. I really like them. Mm-hmm. On the subject of the Tachibana school, the evil forest, he's having a full-on freakout back at his headquarters. And then a new villain appears. Like, the, the mysterious cloaked figure that we saw in the previous episode, uh, she appears. Emphasis on she. It would appear your heart is broken. Use this. It can make sure your heart stays intact. And she slaps a belt on him. Yeah. So, at the floral uh, contest number two, uh, everyone is there. Everyone is kind of waiting for the master florist to show up and be like, where the fuck is he? And then he stumbles in. The female, uh, the female floor spot, she's kind of looking at him like, hey, what, what's wrong with you? Are you feeling okay? And then he transforms. He pulls out the buffalo key. So I guess it was buffalo, not dodo. I mean, it's red, so I... I, I, I know, red it. with a stylized animal image on the front. Yeah, whatever. I thought that this was a lot harsher than it was, because remember, when human gears transform, their skin burns off and they scream as their bones rearrange themselves. So I thought that this was kind of one way. It'll turn out later that this is a lot more reversible than it should be. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is our first, at least first confirmed, uh, time where a human has straight up turned into a monster on this show. Yep, and this is a raid. Last episode, I mentioned something about hearing there was a new type of monsters, and I thought that those were the human gears that were getting the madness downloaded into them. I didn't realize that, no, there's also a second thing going on, that now humans can become crazy monsters. <laughs> Guy is, he's real annoyed. This is like the second time this competition has been uh, messed up when one of the competitors turned into an evil robot. Yeah, this is the most violent floral competition ever. They've had two contests. In both contests, one of the people has turned into a monster and tried to kill everyone. So Guy thinks this is a nuisance, he transforms, and he is beating on the Mad Gear. Yeah, Guy, he's trying to straight up, like, kill this buffalo. Aruto, he transforms, and he's trying to... It's kind of a... Aruto, he's trying to contain the buffalo, protect the buffalo from Guy, uh, whereas the buffalo's trying to kill everyone. It's, it's a fun dynamic fight, but it's over pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, the buffalo's a cool monster, I hope it comes back soon, because it's, like, it does lots of charges, and it has a big rocket booster on the back, so it, it, I I love rocket boosters. They put a lot of thought and design into the monsters on the show, and especially with how quickly they go through transformations, like, of the main characters, I think they need to (laughs) bring back and recycle some of the monsters a little bit more than normal. Yep, Arto, he uses his Shining Assault hopper mode, and he, he's got his funnels, he, is using them to try to break them apart. But Guy, he pulls out a couple finishers in a row and de-transforms the transformed guy. 
Yes, there's an explosion, and a human is underneath, and he's alive. A guy collects the key from him uh, to presumably go back and study. Stomps over to you and says, okay, something's going on behind the scenes. We gotta investigate this. So do we think he knows what's going on? I think Guy's a big idiot who doesn't know much more than he knows right now. Like, I, he might be a bit more involved in some things, but I actually think he's... I don't think he knows much more than uh, than we do at this point. Like, he thinks he's playing chess, but he's actually playing checkers, and a lot of people are, like, working behind him that he just has zero clue about. So the, the guy on the ground, he's feeling kind of guilty because he was so tore up about the competition, he got turned into a weird monster. And he says, okay, yeah, this, this sucks. I don't deserve to be a florist. But the human gear turns to him and says, like, no, no, I... I got as good as I am because I was learning from your teachings. Flower arrangements are a reflection of the human heart. And he kind of smiles at her and says, like, oh, I, I, it's like I'm talking to a student. This is kind of great. So they they quickly cut. So I was worried that this was going to be like a fucking three-parter. But no, <laughs> they, they cut back because the super nice judges apparently were willing to come back for a third time. Like, are there... <laughs> Do, do guns get pulled at a lot of florist events? Like, are they just used to this? <laughs> I don't know, Harry. I don't know. Like, how much how much is Guy paying these people? Like, that's what we really gotta ask. I feel like you gotta add a zero every time they're attacked by a giant monster. Guy would probably consider that perfectly fair. Yeah. So, of course, the Master wins the contest, but there's mutual respect between uh, the Himagir and the Master, and Ruto kind of considers this a win. Like, he's... Like, he's just all smiles presiding over a contest where a master learned to respect a human gear. Yeah, and it's a good thought. It's very optimistic. Uh, I like your take on it, Arto. But I do want you to keep in mind that if you lose these competitions, there's a decent chance all human gears will be genocided. Well, I mean, technically, like, as we discussed before, these five contests, they were straight up a PR stunt. Like, Hide Intelligence versus uh, Zaya. Like, Zaya was trying to control the narrative and just prove that Team of Gears were worthless, whereas if human, uh, if Hyden Intelligence can gain control and have the human Gears earn the respect of the Masters along the path, it doesn't matter. Because it, the stakes of the contest were if Zaya loses, Zaya's out, whereas if Zaya wins, Zaya merely continues what they're already doing. So if Hyden Intelligence can change the narrative and reclaim it, that is a great position for Aruto. Yeah, that, that's entirely true. Uh, so, I mean, there's five competitions. I'm guessing the next eight episodes will be the other four. Do we think they're going to combine, like, any of them? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say this, because did you look at the next episode preview? Uh, I glanced at it, but then I quickly closed it. There was, like, a guy jumping around. I don't know. I mean, do you want to guess at the next contest? You're going to be angry. Cooking? No, it's, um, it's real estate. How is that a contest? Apparently they have properties that a human gear and a guy with size spec need to sell, and whoever sells the most wins. That's also a contest that can be entirely exploited by having someone with a giant checkbook behind just doing it. But fuck it, we'll talk about, we're burning, we're burning cast for next week. Yeah, yeah, because the actual important thing this episode ends with is Fua interrogating Hirobi at gunpoint again. Yeah, Hirobe's turned into his Hannibal Lecter. Like, Hirobe is neutralized, uh, but Fua, the hardened detective, he's using him for information. And Hirobe is giving it to him. Uh, a human went berserk? Oh, it must have been a raid riser. 
And and Fua looks at him angrily and says, is one of your people still out there? And Hiropi smiles and says, hey, they could be right over your shoulder, one of my long-lost comrades. And for a second, Hiropi, or Fua kind of senses someone behind him. He turns, and there's nothing. Yeah. So this this clearly is a new person, too. Like we said, uh, a female voice, uh, a different body type. So this is a new player in the villain sphere. So I I looked it up because I wanted to see if if it was voiced by someone already on the show. It is not. Uh, according to Kamen Rider Wiki, uh, question mark, question, question mark, question mark is portrayed by Satsuki Nakayama, who is a... She's a Japanese model who is known for kind of androgynous roles, I guess. It's just a thing that she's famous for. Okay, great. A early 20s uh, idol slash, I'm assuming, singer slash model slash fashionista. Yeah, sounds about right for these shows. That plays into one of the two theories I have. Because in going to the wiki and looking up the name of the actress, I also saw the other characters of the show. So do you remember the three judges? That kind of probably didn't matter. There was... An old guy, an old lady, and a weird fancy lad who didn't show up a lot. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have many close-ups, and I was trying to look at it. That Maybe I'm going to be an idiot because people will be like, no, this is obviously somebody else. I couldn't find an actor for that person. It looks a little like this actress. And also, the name of that judge is 1-1-Infinity. <laughs> Wait, are they going to have the same three judges for all the five contests? That that would be, I mean, that would be something, um, but like that would be in keeping with Gaia, like you know, or with Zaya, only like hiring three people to throw the contest straight at him. But like, I mean, this is a show where the names have been important. Like, I went over the thing, partially remembered because I didn't have it written down. But like, Yua is you are, Fua is who are, uh, like, are are the the various Hedens are all like uh their plays and like original proto new version stuff like that so in a show named come writer zero one if someone is named one one infinity maybe that's important are we thinking she's the mid boss or the final boss well i i don't know or I, another friend like does she turn into a friendly writer i don't know like it it could be there is still one more character in the metsubojin rai name like the the bow the death that is still out there that's something that could be the theory but here's my other theory. So Fua has been wearing an upgrade a lot that specifically says only members of MetsuboJinrai.net can use this. And Fua, like he said to Yua, like there's only so many people with access to this facility. Like it has to be you, right? And he's talking to Hirobi and seeing weird things out of the corner of his eye. What if the voice thing is a false flag and Fua's like he's getting MetsuboJinrai downloaded into his brain? Are we thinking that Fu is a human gear or a, he's gone through so many surgeries. They would no, have no, figured it out. No, 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 I think he is human. I think he's human, like originally human, but he is. I mean, we've seen in this episode, the tech is able to connect to people's brains more than we thought. Like maybe Aruto isn't a human gear or hybrid or whatever. I, I still think he is, but it's more possible that he isn't because his eye spec can like connect to your brain. And now it's hacking people through the raid riser and stuff like that. So maybe it's just downloading it. Metsubo Jinrai into Fua, even though he's human. That's, that is an interesting theory, and one that I'm not going to bet against. Liking the show, like like you said, Sam, even though the villains thing is moving forward, Aruto, his kindness is also winning people over, everybody's plans are moving forward, and it's hard to tell exactly how it's going to play out. It's a show with lots of fun subtext and stuff, and we could talk about it for a while. Mm-hmm. But instead, 
We're going to talk about a show that has no <laughs> subtext at all. Cue the music for Kaiketsu Zubat. Oh, Jesus. This guy plays football, but I once won the whole Super Bowl by myself. This guy is a weightlifter, but I can bench an entire continental shelf. That dude is a scientist, but I already cured all diseases last week. And if that's not enough, let me ask, when was the last time one of these things? Yeah, lack of subtext is a great way to describe this show. This show is not but text. At no point do you ever need to think about anything that's not shown on the screen. Like, it'll tell you exactly what's happening, exactly what's going on. It's so Kaketsu Zubat. It's a, a late 70s series that is intentionally a bit retro. Like, it's hard to tell now because we're, like, 40 years later. But, uh, like, it, it, it was a bit retro even at the time. It's just a silly show. With a lot more blood than I was anticipating, Harry. Like, they 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 straight up have, like, blood squibs going off of people as they're getting shot up by the villains in this show. That is uh, not something that you re- traditionally see on a Saturday morning cartoon. I think Japan's just a bit more open about it. So, I mean, I, I like the series because it's just kind of fun, something to watch, and, but I don't, I have no idea about Sam. It just, we're going to do a very loose watch because it's, there's no plot to digest in the show. We're just talking about a few episodes. No, no, there's a extremely minimal plot. Like, a main character shows up and he's a traveling mariachi slash master in absolutely every field. Yeah, like, it's, I honestly... You, I only watched the first episode. I, I told you to watch it too because I wanted you to know it was like this from the start. But you could totally tell from the opening. It's one of those shows where the opening credits tells you everything you need to know. It's a guy fighting dudes. Uh, a friend gets killed. Like Asuka, he's yelling, he's like Asuka and a bloody body. Not not a great sign when that's the first episode credits before the guy is even introduced. I will say, Harry, like you know when Asuka went down and Asuka died like a champ because you know he would. He was blown up in a bus, he was taken to a hospital, he was shot up by a machine gun, and then as he's being held by Zubat and dying, he's talking about, like, hey, I'ma kick their asses once my wounds are healed. Yeah, he's a mountain man, they can't die from something like this. But it, just something, like, the show, it starts, like, it starts on a playground with, like, a uh, lady just watching over some kids, in about five seconds, some, some dudes in black suits jump out, there's a guy with, like, a half-face mask, and they're setting bombs and whipping the kids. And you're like, this is what you get for being children. <laughs> uh, it's villains that know that they are villains and revel in it. But then they get beat up by the mountain man. And then the mariachi he just, shows he's up. He's just a scholar who likes climbing mountains. Uh, the mariachi is also a gunslinger, which is great because the villains have a gunslinger. And so in the yeah, first the, the of... second best gunman in the, in the world. But who's the best gunman, Sam? It's Zubat. Yeah, Hayakawa Ken, who is played by... Oh, God, I should have written... I should have looked this up, but he... Uh, the actor actually played a Kamen Rider 2. I think he was Kamen Rider V3. Oh, God. If anyone who actually knows Kamen Rider watches, listens to this, they're gonna... I'm gonna be a fake because, like, I don't know this off the top of my head. Ooh. Oh, Harry. I get used to it. You'll be like me, a dummy on this podcast. Who knows nothing. Not even stuff that we watched that week. Hiroshi Mia Uchi, who played uh, Kamen Rider V3. So I, I, my guess was correct. Also, he was a uh, big one in uh, Jack. Like one, okay. one of the Sentai series. Yeah, he, he's just, he's a, he's a veteran. He's in a lot of this stuff. 
he's a good actor. Like, he's great energy, like, all smiles, like, handsome guy. Like, yeah, I can see why uh, TV was very was very kind to this man. Yep. He's a big ham, and he proves he's the best gunman by getting in a duel with the other gunman where they're shooting at, like, a rabbit. No, Harry, they're not shooting at a rabbit. They put flowers in the rabbit's mouth, and they were having a contest to shoot the flowers out of the rabbit's mouth. But instead, Ken shot the other bullets out of the air. Harry, if we're just going to do a quick uh, kind of summary watch of what Zubat is, I think we should go through the contests for the uh, for the four episodes that we have watched. So in episode one, the contest where Zubat gets to prove that he is the best is a contest against a gunslinger. The next that we watched was Zubat fighting uh, the best and most lethal golfer in Japan. Yeah, like, I looked up at the wiki, so episode one is gunslicking. Uh, they used sword fighting in episode two, then knife throwing uh, in three, kung fu in four, and billiards is the fifth episode, so that's where they ran out of, like, honest ideas. At least billiards, like, billiards is about, like, you could use that as a club. There are so many kung fu movies where people kill each other with billiard implements. Okay, fishing is episode nine. There are fewer kung fu movies where people are killed with fishing implements. Trumpet playing, parentheses, as well as use of a modified dart shooting trumpet, is episode 10. Oh, Jesus. Uh, rolling dice is 16. American football is 18. Oh, here, here. Don't brush past rolling dice, because that's the episode I watched. That's the one you watched. Yeah, I mean, like, because in every episode, it's the exact same scene where some weird, like, assassin hitman guy will show up, and they'll say, yeah, I'm good at this thing. And Ken will say, oh, I know who you are. You're the second best at x and the guy will be like oh second best who's the best and ken he'll cock his finger then point it himself and then we'll have a ridiculous contest yes like shooting bullets out of the air is uh the most sane of the contests in any of this harry talk about how the golf contest goes yeah so i mean they're fighting some some golf villains we're just throwing that out there. They're fighting golf villains. Well, he's fighting a golf guy, and the golf guy, uh, he shoots the golf ball, like, like a football field away into the wall of a building. Yeah, he's like, yeah, beat that. Now, Harry, this is, this is a death golf ball. It is a black golf ball. Yeah, it's modified to be deadly. And Ken, he, like, knocks over one of the henchmen, says, like, hey, stand still or you'll lose some teeth, puts the golf ball in his mouth, and knocks it out of there. The golf ball flies over, hits the other golf ball, then both pop out of the wall and fly back to the Hitman guy, and he gets them off his pocket. Somehow they have turned white. Uh, technically, they turned white upon impact with each other on the wall. There was a beautiful moment of stop-motion animation where you could just see two black balls coming together, then instantly they turn white. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's great, and it even gets more ridiculous because in the first episode, like, there's a bomb on a bus that Ken hears because he can do everything. His friend Asuka, like, kind of drives the bus away and gets caught in the explosion a little bit. Uh, and then he has to go to the hospital. <laughs> and, and I love the scene because everyone in the hospital gets evacuated because his, his cop buddy, Tojo, shows up and says, yeah, we need to get you out of here. Uh, there is a threat on this hospital. They're going to blow it up at one o'clock. One o'clock, says Ken. It looks at his watch. And, like, immediately the hospital is exploding. <laughs> I don't think the villains of the series understand that, like, you don't kill the person you're holding hostage. Like, in the episode <laughs> I saw, 21, they have a thing where 
a rich guy's daughter they kidnap her and say like hey give us a billion yen or we'll kill her and then he gives them the billion yen and then they're like yeah whatever we're still gonna shoot her like dudes this is not gonna work ever in in the future Uh, that's not long-term planning not long-term planning let's let's get back to the dice cut or harry what happened in episode 21 well uh, just just real quickly so his friend asuka he gets like lit up through a door he gets shot like six times and there's bloody squibs and yep, it's a very wild bunch. So Zubat has a good cry, like with his guitar. Then he walks off and says, all right, Asuka, I'm going to use your mountain man. And so I'm going to use the special powered suit you're developing for space combat and also your <laughs> flying car. <laughs> so he's just going to pour- finish those projects for you. He's just pouring a little bit of liquid out of a beaker and then cut to him standing in a red suit on a hill yelling, I've done it. Then he does a pose and some wings just fly out of the air and attach to a car. And he's going to use the suit to fight crime. And, like, he was already superhuman before he got the suit. Like, let's make that clear. Like, I'm not sure if the suit actually does anything. Well, it kills him after five minutes, Harry. It's just to to make it interesting. (laughs) It's like he's giving himself that, uh, that mask from Saw that'll, like, rip your head in half if you don't, like, get the key in time. He's got to ride that edge. Episode 11 is just, I don't know, I, I, we both watched it, but it's just uh, that the cop is going undercover, there's the golf guy, um, there's the the bad guys, but at this point, they've set up a trap that were just guns fire for 10 minutes in an area. They've kind of figured out that Zubat can only work for 5 minutes. I mean, that's, that's at least some creative thinking on the part of the villains. I don't know, I feel like you could have guns that fire for like a minute and then like a bomb. Well, they tried bombs, they got over bombs. And also Zubat is bomb impervious. Yeah, He's not I, bullet impervious. I mean, he got shot in the back like several times by that trap. He got better immediately, but he got shot several times. Is it? Does he have that power where what, if he survives something, he's immune to it from now on? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So yeah, I mean, that's that's episode 11. Uh, it's, it's the golf guy. I mean, we can just run through these. Like episode two is swords. It's fine. Uh, 16. So 16 is the one you watched, Sam. Yeah, 16 is the one I watched. Um, like, the theme of this episode, well, first off, it starts uh, with a Nazi Jaguar. Like, that that's his name, by the way. His name is Nazi Jaguar. And his costume is kind of like half a furry mask on top of a face with, like, a very clear, like, felt swastika just, like, glued to his chin. Oh, yeah, like, so the, the crime boss, every... Every episode, there's a new lieutenant because they get beaten up and captured by Zubat. And they're usually it's just like half a mask on a face. And then like episode one, it's like hell tiger or something. It's usually hell something or drag dragon explosion, you know, two mean sounding words smashed together. So not Nazi Panther is exactly something I would expect. It kind of hit me a little bit harder because uh, I've been listening to a much better podcast than ours this week about uh, some of the attacks of the furry community uh, by alt-right furries. God damn it. God damn it. These are weird, strange days. But yeah, so there's a dice contest in episode 16. Uh, not with Nazi Jaguar, no. No. It's against uh, one of the most respected bartenders in Japan, who also appears to be a vampire, though no one comments on that. Yeah, in, in episode 8, he fights literal Zatoichi. I'll just mention that. Wonderful. But yes, the dice stacking competition, like, you know, they take their cups, and uh, first off, it starts saying the... Uh, bartender, he, you know, stacks some dice, and they're all perfectly in order. Like, you know, one's on the side, six is on the other, and he says, ha, huh, beat that. Oh, 
Oh, let, let, let me guess what happens. Oh, God, because, like, I've watched a couple of these that I don't want to think of the logic. Okay, so it can't just be, like, he gets... I want to say somehow he gets the dice, he rolls them, and when he pulls it up, they're all sixes. And I don't mean just, like, all sixes on the top, but, like, sixes on every side. Close. He rolls the dice, stacks them up, and they're stacked on their corners. <laughs> they're not just... It's just a tower of dice, all perfectly balanced on the corners. The vampire responds by doing it again, although he's integrated some juggling of several cups, and he stacks a dice on the top of the stack of cups. And our hero, of course, does the exact same thing, just knocks some cups into the air. They all land on top of each other, along with a row of six dice. I'm starting to think, Harry, like, the real secret of Zubat is that he's just a super high-level telekinetic. Do you want to know something funny, Sam? So, you picked the episodes randomly. Episode 21 is about him being abandoned by his mother and, like, not being able to connect with people. Like, I think somehow you picked out, like, the one emotional episode of the series. <laughs> like, so, episode 21, it's... A, a lady is just being attacked by the, the thugs because they, they just go out and attack people and make money somehow. I don't know. But he saves her. And, uh, but after... After she goes away and thinks him, he says, like, oh, I recognize you. Yeah, you're, you're my mom. So he tells his company, like, hey, I, I found my mom. I was abandoned as a child. Like, I, I don't know why. She just kind of, I, I feel like she he was just kind of left at a grocery store or something, that type of thing. Like, oh, I'm going to go get cigarettes, whatever. Uh, and he's been looking for her the whole time. So he goes to talk to her. It turns out that now she's uh, married to this big rich guy. And he goes there and she very obviously recognizes him but says, no, you're mistaken. I, I don't know you. It's fine. And like, go go away. You're a strange person here. I'll give you some money. Just leave. Even there's like a, another girl there. Like she she had another daughter. And initially, Ken had been happy saying like, oh, I have a sister now. That's great. Like it, it's kind of endearing. But, and the sister says, mom, is this guy your son? Like, it's okay if you had a relationship before, we, before you met dad. Like that would be a bad thing. But like the mom freaks out, like slaps the other kid. It's like, no, like don't, don't bring it up. And, and Ken, like, he has, like, a couple crushing moments where he's like, okay, fine, I guess I was mistaken, I'll leave you alone, lady. And, you know, ridiculous she not, villain, like I said, holds the daughter hostage, uh, gets the money, goes, goes to kill her anyways. So, the, the hitman in that episode is the Hell Cook, which, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell with Japanese shows, but I think he's actually a racial stereotype of another country. Uh, like, I just I just got that feel Or maybe he's just like a weird tan guy But anyway, so my specialty is plate throwing And he gets some plates out and throws one Into a tree, and Kenneth's like Yeah, that's nothing, and the guy's like, oh yeah, watch this And he throws a bunch of plates uh, Kind of, they all land In a stack on top of the other one uh, In the tree yeah. It's, this one is like a little bit more Boring, honestly uh, you, you can you can guess if you want to Like the second, the second contest? Well, yeah. Um, what the what Ken does in response, like it's it's more perfunctory this one because they actually had like plotted writing. So the, the guy he briefly shows up here, and then in the end fight, uh, Zubat shows up and like just beats him. Yeah, I I I can't really guess. I don't want to guess. Like he he just Ken just says like, oh, I only need one plate, and he throws it, and it jams into the tree, and all the plates fly back into the guy's hands. So kind nice. kind of similar to the golf ball one, honestly. <laughs> Like, they, yeah, I mean, they had 50 episodes. They're going to redo a couple of the beats. <sighs> I mean, I 
I did like this show, but I would say I liked about 10 minutes of this show each episode. Like, there was a nice 10 minutes of each episode of just sheer insanity. But then after that, it was just kind of just boring, boring, just dull, like people uh, talking and not even like talking about interesting things. Just like having the most basic conversations about the most basic uh, character beats. Yeah, it's 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 a simple show. It this is absolutely the type of show that you could just have open in a window, just like glancing at while you're doing other things. You know, just there, there's fighting and chatting in another language as you're I don't know typing, and just every so often you look over like, oh, he's he's dueling a guy. That's fine. I will say in episode sixteen, uh, they managed to frame Zubat for a murder uh, by you know having a guy shot and then placing a gun somehow in the air for when Zubat walks in, it just kind of falls into his hand, the gun. And then the police of course show up and he's just kind of waving the gun around. And then later on, uh, he is framed for stabbing another person with a fork because he is seen standing over a clearly stabbed person while holding a fork that he pulled from the air. And the problem with being him is that the cops would totally think he could kill a guy with a fork. Yeah, I mean, the bartender could kill someone with a fork, so, hey, very deadly forks. It's just a simple, fun show, you know. Uh, the, the, I like the music, and I'll I'll try to pin one of them to the end of this episode, but yeah, it's just, I mean, there's not much more to talk about, is there? <laughs> no, it's it's thin, it's fun, it has nice moments of insanity, um, you know, just kind of have your brain turn off when they're, like, talking in rooms about, you know, character motivations, because that's not what you're there for. You're there to watch people, like, hit golf balls out of the air that other people have hit into the air and have them change color, then fly into people's pockets. Uh, yeah, that, that could pretty much wrap it up for, uh, for Kaiketsu Zubat. It's a fun show, you know, you can watch it. It's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and we have the, the aforementioned requested segment from a listener. Sam, can you guess which one it was? No. Uh, well, it's, it's the only one you know the name of. Is it Daniel? Yeah, he he asked he asked nicely on Twitter because uh, we've so Kamen Rider Gaim is the other show we're covering in general. We're not doing episodes this time, but we're doing them. We're, we'll do them, you know, as usual, right next time. And this show has a lot of characters, and apparently, if you're not familiar, that it'll just kind of run together. Mm-hmm. So I did create a cheat sheet for you a while ago, Sam. Yes, and I think what we're just gonna do is. Uh, so open up the cheat sheet, and you know I'll I'll edit out the time you need to do. Okay. But we'll, can, we'll can just... you resend me the link, Harry? Send me the link. All right. I'll resend you the link. We'll just go and look at each character and just talk a bit about how we feel about them, you know, how they've been in the series, just a sentence or two, you know? Good God, there's a lot of characters in Gaim. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't need to go into too much about Harry, them. Harry, why are you adding last names? You know that that would just confuse me. I Just for Kota, because I remembered his. Like, I'm not sure if Mai has a last name. I, she probably does, but whatever. Also, why the fuck does Kota's last name also start with a K? Like, they're trying I, to confuse us. Yeah, well, I take yeah. no blame in this. So the first, the main character, Kazura Bakota, I think honestly we're hitting the part of the show where he's just a big dummy forever. Uh, that's unfortunate. Like I, I appreciate that you know he has his moral stance, but 
he's it's also starting to fade he's not like he's not solid in his morality he's not solid in his actions and he's just kind of riding the waves and being very very reactionary and if there's something that i hate in a hero it's a reactionary hero he's reactionary it'd be one thing if he was reactionary because he was dealing with stuff in his personal life like if this wasn't his focus but as far as we could tell he's just a hero 24 7 like that's all he does and like but still he's not delving into the problems very much anymore because maybe because the brains of the operation is doing other stuff but we'll get that to that on the next page mm-hmm. so let's go to my yes my is the the female lead i guess uh god like kind of i like my she's a fun character but man the show is just not going to be great for her is it it's just really not using her for anything no she was there She's kind of supposed to be there as, like, a connection to the people. I think the show and the writers kind of forget that she's also this, like, future space ghost sometimes. Like, they, they've they been teasing that since she was the first character who we saw in the show. Her dead future ghost psychic whatever version. Yeah, she's, she's not allowed to be actually important to the... Well, the one way she's important to the plot is because of a character who we see later is totally weird about her and that's not that's not great no that's not great like you can't reduce the female character to just be the motivation for a male character especially a weird fucking incel like michi i I don't think he's an incel i think he's a nice guy uh there's some crossover Uh, yeah there's lots of crossover but it's just i know there's weird shades stuff going on but yeah she's she's nice whenever she's on the show she was very instrumental in getting the whole the the beat writers fixing their reputation, that stuff. She was very, she understood when Kota kind of dumped the plot on her. She was like, yeah, okay, this has been rough. You should make me a part of this. I want to help. But she's not allowed to because she doesn't have the damn belt. Give the girls a belt. She's also, she's not reactionary. She's being proactive. She was the one who was holding together the dancers. And she's actually, she's created a dance utopia, Harry. It's, it's a dance utopia. That's great. Like, the only downside is that, you know, monsters are coming and killing people. Yeah, like, it matters less if the world is falling apart, and that's happening more and more soon. All right, let, let's move on. Speaking of not caring as much about dancing, Kaito, the the weird murder fascist who more and more is, like, the main character of the show. He's, yeah, he's the hero of the show. <laughs> like, he's not the designated hero of the show, which kind of sucks. Like, he is the moral force. Like, he is the person who is actually protecting people and being proactive. He has his own agenda, he has his own desires and goals, and he is working to achieve them. The problem is, I feel like his agenda is just kept kind of vague, and it keeps shifting to be just enough so that Kota can't be on his side, because Kota has to be the hero on right. But Kaito, he talks a lot about not caring about people and wanting to, you know, ignore the weak. But every time someone tries to get stronger or bring themselves up, he kind of smiles and nods and says, like, hey, you're doing great. You know, he's genuinely supportive of people. He's a big tsundere about helping people. You know, it's he he wants to go off and fight stuff. But I, I, I kind of like him. He's great. I like him more than Kota. Like he he has a head on him and he knows what he wants. Yeah. I mean, speaking of which, like, uh, let's talk about if. If we talk about how people relate to their subordinates, if a certain person who is over overriding the conversation coming pretty soon is the the foil to Kota, Zack, right here, is the foil to Kaito. Uh, Armored Rider Knuckle, he is 
he was a minorist minor character, but he's been brought up more and more by Kaito, and now he's like a staunch defender of the city, a stand-up guy who Sam is waiting to get killed. Oh yeah, yeah, Zack Death Watch continues. Yeah, I, I wrote it here, not dead, as of episode 32. Oh, how high is that number gonna get? Harry, just tell me the number. Tell me the number he dies in. I, that's, it's important enough that I don't want to spoil it, because it's, it's, it's good. There's good moments. Oh, R.I.P. Zack. Kaito makes his subordinates better. Kota is made worse by his subordinates. Speaking of made worse by the subordinates, next up is uh, Kurishima Takatora, Zangetsu. <laughs> Uh, uh, who, who's like, Kota, if he survived for ten years, it was still just as dumb, but kind of talented. And it was talked into genocide, but then immediately figured a way out. But then, because he trusted the wrong people, got turbo murdered, and the humanity is doomed. Like, what, what is Takatora good at? Just, like, general businessese? Just business sense? I mean, he, he's very intelligent and logistical. He can organize stuff. Like, he's... He's helped train up the security forces. He's overseen development. Like he, he's a, he's a project manager. He is driven. You know, he's willing to take risks. It's just, he's he's, so naive and a big idiot. Like he's a project man. Like we've all had like you know the manager, who we kind of knew what buttons to push so we could control them. Yeah, he's that's Takatora. He's brilliant and he's smart, and he could also be the Todd Bicycle if you know how to ride him. And everyone does. I think the only person who doesn't know how to push his buttons is Coda. And so, like, let's. Next up is the guy who is important for so much of the show because so much of the show is just him fucking things up because he wants to date Mai but won't admit it, and is just a big creep about it. Like, Kurishima Mitsusane, Michi. So many people hate this guy, Sam. Like, every, when people and talk I get about this... why. Like, he... You know, he's very intelligent. Clearly very talented. But also, at the same time, just such a fuck-up who can't close the deal. Also, he seems to have caused an invasion of Earth in the previous episode for no particular reason or gain for himself. Like, he, he wants to be, like, the person behind the power. But he also... With the situations, he, the way they're lining up, he's not really directing the power. He's just being directed by it. Like, he he's betraying people almost for betrayal's sake at this point. Like, here, I wrote a thing on Twitter in response to something Daniel K said. I'll just read it out here. All right. He's Kurishima Mitsusane, youngest of the family that runs a fair chunk of the Yggdrasil Corporation, which in turn owns Azawame City. His buds at Team Gaim only know him as Michi, trustworthy friend. And to date, he's held back important information from his team tricked the other beat riders into acting as bait for an unknown military faction, had a very unhealthy one-sided obsession with a teammate, emotionally blackmailed Kota into cutting said teammate out of the plot, immediately bought into the corporation's kill six-sevenths of humanity plan, took Kota's sister hostage, realized his brother's right-hand man was evil and planning to betray him, sided with Ryoma, mostly just to get resources to kill Kota when he told Mai a thing, did nothing to stop his brother's murder, whose last wish was to help Kota save the world, Instead, took his brother's belt, impersonating him to unsettle Kota enough so he could kill him, secretly switched sides again to Sid, the murderous arms dealer, mostly because he could, and immediately let Sid walk into a fatal trap so he can now be the underling of an alien overlord who explicitly wants to be Earth's king and ru rule over its residents like toys. I believe in redemption, and, like, 
character. Right, so Michi, here's the thing. Michi is like kind of insane at this point because his brother was not letting him in on stuff, and he, Kota was leaning on him to be the idea guy for a while. And I'm not like I'm not blaming Kota, but it's just like he was put in a weird, stressful situation. His brother put the teenager in charge of a secret spec ops team to watch over the leading of the earth, like the like the extermination of most of humanity. Like he was probably seeing it on meeting, meetings where people were looking at charts and being like, "Hey, we, we could probably lose Africa. Like we're just not going to save anybody in that continent." That's probably a discussion he had to sit in on, that type <laughs> of stuff. And I think that just broke his brain. And now he's just in a weird anxiety panic ball. And it's going to get so much worse soon, Sam. You'll see. It's just... Like, I don't... He doesn't read as insane to me, Harry. Like, he is in... He's in over his head. Yeah. And refuses to admit it. And he, he can't admit that he doesn't know the best situation, and he's just making things constantly worse. And I'm going to remind you, Sam, that multiple times you were given the chance to not say he's the character you're the most like, but you said, nope, I'm like Michi. So Sam, this is you. I mean, I've had my days, Harry, where I side with a genocidal alien who's invading Earth. I, I've played Twilight Imperium with you, and you are exactly that type of... Uh... Like, no, 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 that's not fair, Harry. That's not fair. We all know who Michi is at our Twilight Imperium games. I'm not going to name check him, but I am going to say that it starts with an M. And I we all Mar know that that's him. I think Marcus is more Sid. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, the ineffectual, just random betrayal <laughs> that does nothing. No, like, like I, we'll, we'll get to Sid when we get to Sid. Anyway, so next up is Hase of Team Raid Wild. R.I.P. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he's dead. He is a fun character who is established just so they it could be awaited when he's killed off. But he's a nice guy, you know. <sighs> he's, yeah, kind of a douche, and he probably did, he didn't deserve to die. No, I mean, he was just an aggro teenager, but, like, whatever, that's, that's just what he was. And he was in a game where they were fighting with dudes, and he was doing that. Like, he was he was a heel, but he wasn't, like, murdering people out of the game. And he was being backed up for a while by Jonichi, who was not dead yet. Jonichi is a weird boy. Like, Jonichi is kind of a amoral floater. Where he... Jonichi is a mushroom. Like, he's a person who has, like, no moral or flavor, like, by itself. But, you know, you just throw him into a dish to kind of round it out and give it a bit more texture. And he takes on whatever that dish becomes. Yeah, and actually, so the weird gender episode, I was worried it was going to be worse than it was. But I kind of liked where it, what it hit for Jonachi because his arc explicitly was, oh, I was part of this team that was, you know, we were beat riders, we were fighting for the city, we were fun dancers, and that's fallen apart. I kind of distance myself from my friends for other reasons and now i just don't know what i'm doing with my life and i'm just at this crossroads where we're like i don't know stuff's getting worse and maybe i'll just help people fight and like i don't know and i'm kind of sad because i betrayed my friend hase hey hey kota what's going on with hase no one has told jodachi what's going on he still doesn't know that hase's dead jesus uh, who does know that Jod uh or that hase is dead like clearly uh michi and like team evil knows about it does my know uh, no, I don't think Mai knows. I think the only people who... Well, he may have told Mai. But I think the only people Kota has explicitly... Well, the only people that explicitly know about Hase, we're sure, are Kota and the new generation riders. Like, the four evil team members. I'm sure Michi knows. I mean, Michi probably knows everything. But, uh, so, next up. 
Uh, speaking of could have been a lot worse, Oren Pierre Alfonso, Armored Rider Bravo. I feel the show didn't know what to do with this guy for a while. But they're starting to come around. On, like he was, you know, he was like an early villain uh, or an early antagonist uh, for our hero, quote unquote, uh, Kota. And he was someone for him to just kind of bounce off against. But he very quickly, Kota very quickly outclassed uh, Mr. Bravo here. And so he kind of faded in relevance for a few episodes, though. It seems like he's coming back, like he's starting to hit his stride. Like, he's starting to realize just some of the shit that the city is in, and he's, you know, going to be aligning himself with, uh, and, and actually being proactive with uh, Kaito and Team Good again. Yeah, like, he had that moment with Yoko, where when the invests were invading uh, Zawame in full, he turned to her and said, hey, these kids are fighting for mud, for no money, for nothing. It's so immature, but goddammit, don't you look at them and be like, this is great? Yeah. So, Oren, he's a great guy, and he was a sports heel and maybe did some questionable stuff for Idrisil, but he's fully a hero now. Also, I I really love the actor. Like, you know, they got they got the perfect person for yeah, this Metal, character. Metal Yoshida was the perfect casting choice. I mean, I I I'm not he is married to a woman, so I'm not sure if he's gay, and it's always weird when a flamboyant Lake character is portrayed by a straight man. Uh but he I I do think he makes the character if someone else was playing Orin then it could have come up come off a lot worse. But Metal Yoshida does a good job. Now let's talk about Sid. He's dead. All right. Now let's talk about Professor... No, no, let's uh, talk about Sid, Harry. Oh, sure, sure. So... Sid started out, you know, as like a scheming underdog, but then he just died for fucking nothing. Like, he was thrown away by the writers of the show to amplify, like, the, the threat of the, of the next level of villains. Like, he died for no reason. Well, I, I think Sid was realizing is that he was not important to the stake of things, so he made a desperate play, like, just the best he could. He destroyed uh, Yggdrasil's locked vehicles, he went into the dimension, and he just beelined for God, essentially, and tried to take him on. Because if it worked, then he would have won the whole thing. But he was far outclassed. But I just, Sid, Sid had the mentality of second place is first loser, and he wanted to be the guy. Second place isn't first loser. There's a podium for a reason, people. There's nothing fucking wrong with Silver. He he was a fun, charismatic villain, uh, and more genuinely evil than the other fun, charismatic villains we had to work with. He was like an arms dealer guy. He was dealing with lots of stuff, and just kind of I don't just kind of mean I I don't think like you say they just killed him. I don't think his character had much more play in him, honestly. Like he was kind of played out. He even knew it. He had to go for it, and he just failed. Like and and I, I, you say I like I kind of like how they established the literal god status of the final boss Rasho, and that he just instantly destroys him. This guy who's been here since the first episode. Yeah, he was around for a while, and I mean, yes, they if they spent him to show the level of threats that they're facing with the final boss, then okay, okay, that makes sense. But I do think that. Sid was smart enough where he could have come up with a better plan. I just, I hate a half-baked plan. Yeah, he could have done better, but he did what he could. So, Professor Ryoma Waring, Armored Rider Duke. Wait, he's Armored Rider Duke? Yep, that that's his Armored Rider name. Like, I, I don't think it's come up much, because he, he tries to do most of his fighting outside of the suit. Yep, which is where he's better. <laughs> he yeah, is, I mean, 
He's one of those weird, like, Lex Luthor characters where when he transforms and puts on armor, he is less threatening. He was allied with Sid because they are very similar characters, but he is smarter. He is much more in charge. He knows, like, he knows exactly what moves to make. Uh, like, <laughs> you saw in the last episode, when Invest went for the tower, he just got in a rocket and got out of there because fuck it. And without spoiling anything, in the first couple minutes of the next episode, he makes what could be called a very big power play. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that because, I mean, if you're talking about a power play, like this is a guy who built a Death Star and he has lamented several times recently that it was destroyed because he would have just wiped out a town. Oh, you have no idea, Seb. We'll get there. Then after that is his loyal assistance until very recently because she realized there was a better deal out there. Minato Yoko, Armored yes. Rider America. You call her Peach. I do, because she transforms into a peach. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'm not, I'm not, that's not an insult. She is a cool soldier lady. She's a female common writer. Bad things are going to happen to her, aren't they? <sighs> Bad things are going to happen to everyone. Like, I mean, this is a show with a lot of deaths. And remember when I was talking about Zero One, one of the things I really liked about it was that, well, one of the things I was hopeful is because I was saying, previously, women in common writer either didn't matter or died. Oh, boy. And Yoko kind of matters. R.I.P. Yoko. Does she die before or after Zack? Or simultaneously? Like, the, is there an atom bomb, Harry? Well, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, I I like Yoko. She started off pretty thin, but, you know, now she's starting to develop a bit of character uh, that the writers are, are exploring with and playing around with. Yeah, I mean, she was just a loyal underling to Ryoma. And when she realized that Ryoba is not a good person to be a loyal underling to, she kind of looked around, saw Kaito, and we were like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hitch my horse to this wagon. She was a bodyguard. Like, I mean, we were talking about Lex Luthor before. Um, Mercy. You know, she played the role of Mercy to Lex Luthor. Uh, she was the person who followed him around and actually dealt with the physical threats uh, that he didn't want to. Um, and, you know, like Lex Luthor and Mercy, like, there's some abuse in that relationship, and so she finally disconnected. I like it. Yeah, she, she's a she's a good fun character. Uh, I I think they get into. She, I'm not sure if she has much background. It's kind of re released in some of the additional materials that I haven't seen. I, I think her main thing, her background is that she's just she was like a industrial espionage spy, or maybe just like a spy spy who was looking into Yautrisil stuff. And she got caught, but then they were like, "Hey, you're great. Just work for us." And that's kind of her backstory. Like she's a she's a soldier lady. Fair enough. Now we're getting to DJ Sagara. Yep, who is an alien god and also a YouTube sensation. And like and subscribe to uh, to Cthulhu. I still like like he. All right, the I wanted mental to say stretch that I have to take like for some kind of YouTube star to turn out to be an otherworldly like entity who's like manipulating. An evil forest, Harry. Like that's I, I don't know. I if Julie Le Petit tomorrow said like I'm gonna cast off my mortal shackles and reveal my true form, I don't think many people would be surprised. <sighs> Druffy's a good, good channel, watch it and support them in there. They just got laid off and it's sad. But they're oh. gonna keep going. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean when you first said Sam, when you asked me like what Spider Man villain he was, I had to hold back for such a long time that he's actually Galactus. <laughs> Good times. Good times. And he's just, like, as I said in the last episode, he's the force of the forest. He's just manipulating things. He wants an interesting fight. And he 
he shows a lot of favoritism for Kota. Mm-hmm. Just like the writers of the show. Yeah. He is a person who is, like, keeping Kota on the map. Like, how, how fucked would Kota be without DJ Sagara? Like, where did... Where did the obvious, like, you know, play start to come in where Sagara was like, no, Kota's getting to the end game? Like, was it releasing him from the jail cell out of Yggdrasil? Was that the first time that he really, really came into prominence? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, he had that talk with Kota and saying, like, hey, you know, you're in a bad... At that thing, at that moment, I think he was kind of shopping around because he saw the overlords in Helheim were just being big jerks. They were hoarding the fruit. They were, it was just going to be a shitty fight where nobody won, and he didn't want that. So he, he was just going around talking to dudes and saying, like, uh, all right, so who's going to shake up this whole situation? He saw a noble idiot who will do whatever people ask him to. He threw a power at him and said, hey, go save the world or whatever. He saw Kota as a blank canvas that he could draw manipulation on. Yeah, so that's Sagra. I mean, he's, he's a fun character. Overlord Demishu, he's a red fighting guy who fights. Now he's dead. Yeah, all these overlords, like, you have, like, three overlords on here, Harry. The descriptions are going to be five seconds. Because at the moment, they're mostly just their costumes. Yeah, I mean, Overlord Reju, she's more of a schemer, and she saw Michi and was like, oh, I can use this one. Yeah, that's this is going to be fun. Which, and Michi was good at betraying people for a while, but I do think his, his uh, eyes are getting a bit big for his mouth, so to speak. And then we got... Uh... Uh, God King Roshuo, that's his name? Yep, Roshuo. He was just sad because he won, but this world sucks, so he's just going to let everybody die. That's basically his plan. He's also Iceman, or uh, like a Mr. Freeze, like he has like a his dead wife. wife. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> I almost wrote that here. Like I wrote, I put some uh, Kanye lyrics for like what's a king to a god, because, you know, he's both. But I also could have just written, My wife! Mm-hmm. Quickly run through the minor characters. Uh, Akira, Kota's mean sister, who had the terrible speech in episode four and kind of has been digging herself out of that pit. She's mean when the writers need her to be mean. She's, she's just a utility like switch hitter. Like she does what the plot dictates needs to be done. Bando, the really nice smoothie shop owner who did a uh, big solid to Kota and gave him a job when he needed it the most. The true he... hero that the city needs. Yeah, it was it was an effective moment. Uh, and also he's played by an actor who was the kind of main, he was the final antagonist in Kabuto, which is fun. Then we've got like three or four dancers down here who I, I swear to you, I have no idea that I've ever seen these people before. Like Pe- Peko had a slingshot that one time and I also called him Rat for a while. Uh, Rat is just a team gab dancer. He's the one who got slashed in the back and didn't die. You thought he was going to, but then it turns out that the turned human invest don't spread it the same way i don't know that i don't think that's an important plot point ever and then there's like Chucky. They, there hasn't really been much movement on the infection storyline for a dozen episodes well i think because at this point people are just dying too fast to really get infected uh and also chucky's here i'm not sure if we've literally ever mentioned her on the show but she's another female team gam dancer there's like six people in team gaim are these the only ones with names there's one more on the team who like, I only noticed when I went to the wiki to, like, get a picture for Chucky. And the only thing they said about her was that she's not as good a dancer as the others, but it's nice. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well, fuck you, too, writer wiki. Hey, uh, that's it. Like, I mean, a lot of characters we had to run through for the series. But that's Kamen Rider Gaim. And 
So we are going into the, the the status quo is changing. It's changed a lot in the show, but in the next in the first few minutes of the next episode, Ryoma makes a pretty big move, and I think you're going to enjoy it, Sam. Yeah, the power dynamics of the show shift so rapidly and so unpredictably. <laughs> so I believe that is it for this episode. Oh, good episode. Good character rundowns. Good uh, good Zubats, which we'll never watch again. No, I mean, I will watch it every now and then if I get bored. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, it's said, what are we going to do if we get bored, Sam? You know, everyone, just keep dancing. Just keep dancing. Say.